Long before public libraries existed in Australia, stories and knowledge were held not on shelves in institutions and buildings, but in the memories of Aboriginal elders. These respected individuals, custodians of knowledge and law, hold an infinite amount of information and stories about the land, animals and plants. That sacred knowledge being held by Aboriginal elders has been shared for over 60,000 years and is still being shared today. I'm headed to the Castlemaine Public Library in central Victoria for a morning tea to celebrate International Women's Day. Morning teas in Australia are pretty predictable. There's the sponge cake, caramel slice and club sandwiches. But this one is different. My name is Floria. Um, I am a non-First Nations person, um, local community member. What have you tried here today? I've tried some beautiful shortbread, um, some lemon myrtle goat's cheese and a beautiful tart which contains two native plums. They're absolutely delicious. I think a Davidson plum is one of them. (laughs) This morning tea at the library has foods made with native Australian ingredients. Things like lemon myrtle, wattle seed, native limes and plums. All the food here is made by Murnong Mummers, an Indigenous women's catering business, which all started with Auntie Julie and her garden in Harcourt, Central Victoria. These are the myrtles. This is an aniseed with the sort of crinkly edges. The lemon, which is fairly common, that's another aniseed. Then down here you've got a curry myrtle and this one here and there's one there as well, uh, cinnamon myrtles. That's Auntie Julie McHale, an adopted Indigenous elder living on Jajawarung country. That's um, the medium berry and they grow... um, um, indigenously, sort of up around Sydney, and they've got a beautiful little berry on them, a little creamy coloured berry with purple spots, um, and they are super, super sweet. So, oh, this one here is actually a ginger, it's called a red back ginger, and um, so the ginger, of course, is underneath the ground, and um, it's red, bright red. It's um, a bit stronger than your normal ginger. In this episode of Meet Me at the Library, You'll find out how Auntie Julie and the group of Indigenous women she works with are using their local library to share knowledge of Indigenous plants and foods with the wider community. Have you ever tried a Davidson plum? Do you know what to do with lemon myrtle? Have you ever used wattle seed in your cooking? These are just a few of the native Australian ingredients that you can find in certain parts of the country, if you can read the land and you know what you're looking for. This one, some Aboriginal name is Mullumbimbi, and you probably know the place there. It's got a few little flowers there, but if we move on to the next one that's Aboriginal name is Ure, if you lift the leaves up in underneath here, you will see the little plums growing 
Now, the interesting thing about these plums, there's another one that's fallen off, oh, two, um, is that they grow out of the trunk. They don't grow off the um, branches. I'm with Auntie Julie McHale on her property in Harcourt in central Victoria. It's a small, historic gold rush town, located in a valley at the foot of Mount Alexander, or Lianganook. It's known for its apples, wine and cycling, and there are lots of rolling hills and valley slopes. My ancestry is from Tasmania, however, but I've lived all my life in, um, in this area, in fact in Harcourt, all my life. My particular mob are Trawalwe, who speak the Tomagini language, so sort of from up the top end near Devonport. Auntie Julie is passionate about making change for Aboriginal Australians. She's been working on doing that for just over 40 years. A friend of Auntie Julie's describes her as being a lot like an orchid. She radiates and blooms with colour and intensity. And just like an orchid, she knows how to rest, storing up her energy to get back out into the world and bloom once again. For the last 15 years, Auntie Julie's been busy growing more than 90 different varieties of native bush tucker foods. I don't know, it's a lot about the smell, a lot about the smell. Like when I pull up at my back door, um, you've got the river mint, you've got those other um, mint bush things, and you can smell them as soon as you get out of the car. And then when it rains, oh my goodness, you know. <laughs> the smells are just going everywhere. There are literally hundreds of pot plants dotted about the outside of Auntie Julie's home. And inside her kitchen, she's got stacks of glass jars filled with native ingredients that are either dried or pickled. I've always been interested in um, bush tucker and indigenous foods, but tended to buy it already um, sort of like a bag of lemon myrtle or things like that. Um, but I thought, when I retired, I had the time that I could actually have a go at growing some of it myself. And so I started growing the stuff that was reasonably local, like Victorian, like your muntries and things like that. And then sort of just kept getting um, more and more and more things. Most of these plants started off as $2 seedlings. A lot of my things are growing pots so that I can move them around um, according to like weather conditions, um, like the tropical and subtropical stuff not, doesn't cope with frosts at all and doesn't really cope with really cold weather. So um, my house is inside my house is a jungle during winter because uh, I pretty much bring them all in. You know, people come to see my garden, but it's probably more to see my pots of plants. <laughs> Looking around Auntie Julie's garden, it's easy to understand why people are dazzled by what she's created here. She's grown many of her native Indigenous plants from $2 seedlings, buying from companies in Queensland, Darwin and also Papua New Guinea. Unfortunately, a lot of the um, native foods you, you can't get anywhere. Um, you can't walk into a supermarket. You, you, if you're lucky, you might get some wattle seed, but you're not going to get Davis and Plums or um, rye berries or sunshine limes. Um, some places in Melbourne, apparently, you've got finger limes. Um, and, you know, like and everybody wants lemon myrtle, um, um, the bush tomato, 
and finger limes because they're easy to use. And that's fine. I use those as well. But I like to explore things that are less less common. And people are intrigued. Auntie Julie tells me she had a VIP visitor to her property recently. A world-class chef from Denmark who stopped by Central Victoria on a gastronomy tour. He heard about her native Indigenous garden blooming with edible foods and wanted to see it and taste it for himself. Auntie Julie makes sure that the native plants and fruits that she grows are used completely, with nothing going to waste. She pickles, ferments, dries and freezes and even grinds dried leaves into a powder. While native ingredients aren't only culturally significant, they also punch above their weight when it comes to their health benefits. The more I look into the health properties of bush tucker, the more it just blows me away. Um, For example, there's a little, um, they call it a kakadu plum. It's nothing like a plum. It's um, probably about the size of your thumbnail. And I've got one of the bushes out there, but it hasn't fruited yet. I'm still hopeful. But one kakadu plum has got the equivalent amount of vitamin C in it as 100 oranges. The little kakadu plum is um, like is really fascinating um, botanical scientists all over the world, and they're now claiming that it's the world's um, best superfood. Auntie Julie's right. A quick Google search will tell you that the kakadu plum is awesome. It's high in antioxidants, is anti-inflammatory, and very useful when it comes to preserving foods. But that's not the only superfood in her pantry. Our grains are actually like more or have been used longer than any other culture in the world. Our native grains don't have gluten. So, you know, if we wanted to use kangaroo grass and that for bread making, things like that, taste just as nice, if not better, but then I'm biased, um, <laughs> than your other, um, like your wheats and your, and your oats and your barleys and all these other things. Growing native plants is an important way of Auntie Julie connecting to her own culture and discovering more about Indigenous Australia. When I get a new plant or I discover, whether it's through reading or whatever, um, this plant that I'd never heard of before, and I certainly don't claim to be an expert and I think I've only, I'm only on the tip of the iceberg, I think there's thousands of plants out there that we don't know about. Um, I want to I know about the culture of the people um, around where those plants grow indigenously. I want to know, um, particularly in terms of um, health benefits for women, you know, like a lot of the, the plants were cared for, nurtured, harvested, cultivated by the women's. And a lot of the things that had to be done to the plants um, were done by the women, you know, like it was removal of seeds of some of these particular plants, waiting till they, you know, were at a certain stage in the, in the development, um, which very much becomes women's business. Auntie Julie is a natural storyteller. She's committed to sharing her passion for Indigenous plants and foods with others. I love to share culture. Um, I've been a teacher all my life and I still am a teacher even though I've retired from the system. I've done lots of um, 
cultural awareness activities. I run programs for Aboriginal children. I've worked in a lot of schools um, and like sharing cultural stuff. But as soon as you bring food out, um, the whole atmosphere changes. I think everybody probably for thousands if not millions of years when you're in a group and you're sharing food you that's when all the yarning happens um this you know kids sit in front of a television eating their tea it's just appalling you know like you sit around the dinner table and you can all have a big yarn about what's been going on like the whole concept of um, bringing people together to share the food um you know, like Aboriginal and other Australians, I think is a really, it's, it's just something I really enjoy doing. In 2014, Auntie Julie took her knowledge of native plants, together with her passion for sharing culture, and teamed up with local Aboriginal organisation Nolderun to create the catering business Murnong Mummers whose delicious food we came across at the library at the start of the episode. Murnong Mummers employs local Indigenous women and is named after the Murnong, or yam daisy, a common Indigenous food found in the area. I guess in terms of um, cultural, um, the cultural component, the importance of the Murnong in terms of culture, was that um, the women would actually... um, um, cultivate. So the older women would teach the the younger women um, traditions, um, particularly women's business, um, while they were harvesting or cultivating the um, the murnong and and the other plants. But the murnong was the significant one in this area. Yeah, they were also traded because um, there was so nice to eat and so easy to use in, in making your breads or your, your dampers or your johnny cakes. Um, so that was part of that whole trade system. And, of course, with the trade system came the song lines and the sharing of the teachings and things like that. So the, they had that cultural significance. This one little flower could cause this to happen. Since they formed, the Murnong Mummers have catered for groups from 30 people to 300. They've hosted pop-up lunches, presented native food courses, and are nurturing the next generation of Indigenous women with enterprising ideas. The menu at Murnong Mummers blends Indigenous ingredients with those that are more familiar to the wider community. Things like wattle seed butter biscuits, vegetables marinated in strawberry gum, lemon myrtle shortbreads and lots more mouth-watering dishes. I'm headed back to the Castlemaine Public Library on Jar Wurrung Country to see the Murnong Mummers in action, introducing the community to some of their amazing food as part of an International Women's Day morning tea. My name's Carol McDonough and I live in Castlemaine. What have you eaten here today? Oh, about half the food. <laughs> I had a wattle seed scone with some raspberry jam and cream. Um, deliberately ate the fruit first, just as well. Uh, the raspberry ball over there that looks like, um, what do you call those things we make? They're bliss balls. And I um, had one of those fabulous um, mixed sweet and, and sour 
um, quiche little things. And then um, Marita and I are sharing apple tarts with a, again, a, a ground um, Indigenous flour. You've eaten everything in sight, basically. Pretty much. <laughs> Do you get the opportunity to eat bush foods or native foods often? Um, actually, to a limited degree, yes. Um, we have a bit of salt bush growing at home and um, we often just nibble on that for fun. It's good fun for the kids. They're brightly coloured little berries on there. That's Flora, who we met earlier in the episode. Try not to take plants, you know, from country, but we've been offered at times little taste tests of um, the cherry ballard uh, and so on. And, and as a kid, my dad used to take a gum leaf and put it in the billy when we went camping, so that was always fun. <laughs> Why did you come today? For me, I'm interested in learning. Um, it's a perfect, another perfect opportunity. Um, it's it's a fun way to learn. They 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 do that well. They offer so generously and so beautifully. Um, yeah, so I understand that. Yeah, that there's a lot of story on this land, um, but the story of food. <laughs> Is, is something beautiful and, and brings community together. Are you surprised by how little Indigenous foods we, we do eat in Australian culture? Yes, I'm surprised at myself. I just The world just opened up to me a whole heap. Um, I, I found some, some more food plants that I can grow here locally. Um, the more I learn, the more I realise I don't know. <laughs> Knowing what you're doing when it comes to native Australian foods is really important and something Auntie Julie believes strongly in. People need to, to learn more um, from Aboriginal people in the traditional uses of a lot of these plants because not only have they got the nutritional benefits, they've got other health benefits as well, um, but also like in, in the way that they grow them, the way that they prepare them because it's, it's no use having all this gorgeous food if you don't know how to prepare. Like, for example, wattle seed. Everybody loves wattle seed, so, but we don't want people going out and picking all the wattle seed and eating it or making it. You've got to actually roast it or you could, could find yourself poisoned. Um, the same with your kangaroo apple. You know, people, because kangaroo apple's so easy to grow, it's almost like a weed, but... Um, you know, it's poisonous if you don't know how to prepare it properly. Despite being recognised as the oldest living culture on earth, native Australian foods are a long way from being served up on the plates of everyday Australians. You know, we, we spend um, millions of dollars on watering water for um, um, wheat and oats and cotton and rice and all those sort of things, whereas if you planted a field of kangaroo grass or wallaby grass or native millet or a whole range, even saltbush, the um, saltbush seeds make a beautiful flower. Um, they're going to grow in floods, droughts, um, in the worst soil that, you know, like most horticulturalists could possibly imagine. And um, you, you're not going to have that cost factor. Auntie Julie's plan to get more people eating native Australian foods is starting to take shape. In November 2020, the Victorian government announced they were contributing $200,000 
to enable a new Native Australian foods farm to be established in Harcourt, Central Victoria. And who do you think played a key role in helping to secure that funding? You guessed it, Aunty Julie. I think Australia should be embracing our native foods um, and not just sort of like um, dibbly-dabbling around the edges and um, seeing them as some sort of exotic thing that you can use in your recipes um, because this stuff is supposed to grow here. Thanks for listening to Meet Me at the Library. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and tell your friends. My name's Anne-Marie Middlemast and I've been your host. Meet Me at the Library is mixed by Hamish Robertson at Tall Tale Audio and produced by me with supervising producer Jane Curtis. Thanks to Auntie Julie, the Murnong Mummers and the Goldfields Library Corporation. This program was made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf.org.au. Meet Me at the Library was produced in partnership with Main FM and recorded on Jar Jar Wurrung Country. We pay respect to the traditional owners of these lands. Until next time, I'll see you at the library. <laughs>